When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Behind the Seams. I'm your host, and I have a great guest with me, Mark Appel. So, Mark, I'm going to go through a little bit of your background. I think people know who you are um, by your name, but just for our listeners who do not, um, you were pitcher from Stanford, first overall pick to the Astros, traded from the Astros to the Phillies, and I want to talk to you about your career, your journey, whatever we want to call it, but really walk us through when that baseball journey started on behind the scenes. We always want to know about the human. So start us there if you can. Yeah. Oh man. Um, So I was born in Houston, Texas, um, you know, and and so I grew up just being an active kid. I had an older brother. Um, uh, We were both pretty tall. Uh, My brother is even taller than I am. I'm six, five. He's almost six, 10. Uh, so basketball was like a big part of our upbringing. Um, but we were, we were just always active. We loved sports. My parents went to Texas, um, university of Texas. So like we were huge longhorn college football fans. Um, but baseball seemed to be the sport that I really just got into, um, at a young age, you know, started with like T-ball and coach pitch and all the things. And just from young age, just kind of progressed, um, you know, after every season ended, um, wanted to play again the next year. And so, um, yeah, kind of taking it one, one year at a time and, um, just making good friends and being out in the sun. And, um, there's just so many things that I really enjoyed about playing baseball as a kid. So let's go from kid to whenever, you know, I I would say on the radar of getting drafted because you were technically drafted three times, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I was drafted drafted um, in the fifteenth round by the Tigers uh, after my senior year of high school, and um, yeah, I mean from from when I was a kid till then, you know that's a that's a lot of years. Um, you know, in that time, we we moved from Houston to California for my dad's job. Um, I was twelve years old at the time. I just finished playing that you know twelve year old little league season. Um, we were close to going to Williamsport, but uh, just a, a few games short from, from actually getting there. Um, but, uh, and then, and then shortly after later that summer we moved and I started the seventh grade in California. Um, and it, it was just a little bit different, you know, the, the travel ball culture, the, you know, even, you know, high school baseball culture was a little bit different. Um, but it, it was really good for me. You know, the, the Bay area was a place where, um, there was a lot of talent. There was a lot of good coaches, uh, you know, good pitching coaches, um, you know, it was a place where, you know, you had the San Francisco Giants, the Oakland A's, you had tons of like pro and former pro athletes um, in that area. And so, uh, yeah, just 
I mean, it's a beautiful place to live too. And so I, I had opportunities to really work on my game and to play baseball. Um, you know, you can kind of play year round if you want. Like yeah. I said, I played basketball. So, um, you know, I, I kind of split my time between those two sports, um, you know, but as high school got, you know, I got deeper into high school, um, even though I love playing basketball and I played all the way through my senior year, I could tell baseball was going to be my best opportunity of having a future of, you know, going to college to play a sport. It, it was going to be in baseball. Um, and so that's really, you know, what my focus was on. Um, yes, I, I still played that basketball season, um, but kind of in my downtime, I was always working on baseball and especially pitching. Um, I, I just really enjoyed, I guess, just getting to be a part of the game, you know, getting to every pitch, I'm a part of it. You know, I gotta, I gotta throw the ball uh, over the plate. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really great high school experience. A lot of, still have a lot of good friends. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty great. And I, I never, I was kind of a late bloomer, so I never anticipated that it's like, yeah, maybe going to college could be an opportunity. And that would be really such a cool thing if, if I was able to go to college. And then by the end of my junior year, it's like, oh, actually, it seems like not just colleges are reaching out, but D1 colleges are reaching out. And then you go into that summer and it's like things are really heating up. And, and now, you know, some of the top D1 schools in the area, like UC Berkeley and Stanford, and they're reaching out. We're starting to have conversations about coming to school and um, it, it all happened really late and really fast. Um, and, and so then I found myself, you know, uh, committed to go to Stanford and, um, and that was something that, you know, I, I never imagined. I mean, that was literally a dream school. You know, I remember when I was 12 years old, um, I was playing little league baseball, kind of trying to go to the little league world series. Well, I was baseball crazy that summer. And so we were watching the college world series and, and I think that year the finals was Stanford versus Rice. And my dad, who's, uh, you know, he, he, he came from a family that really valued academics. Um, and that was a, a kind of a way out for him. Um, and so that was kind of taught, you know, in our, in our home was just like the value of school and the value of, you know, getting opportunities to go to college. And, um, and so he was like, Hey, look, you know, Rice and Stanford are both awesome schools, you know, like you can get a great education and you can play baseball. So in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, these are the these are my two dream schools, you know, and for, for a long time it was Rice because I was in Houston and then we moved right. to California and sure enough, Stanford's in, you know, maybe an hour, hour 15 away from where we where I grew up and went to high school. And so, um, yeah, it, it just happened that, um, you know, I, I was you know, given that opportunity to go, you know, study and play baseball at Stanford. Um, and then, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about pro ball, but by your senior year, it's like, that's the, a draft year. But in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to school. Um, but I, I got a lot better my senior year. And so like, like I said, late bloomer happened fast. Um, and, you know, I was this kind of tall, scrawny kid coming off the basketball court. Now I'm pitching in the spring and I'm touching like 93, 94 as a high schooler. And you're like, but like, Mark, they're going to get drafted. Like, this is, this is kind of crazy. So, um, it, yeah, it all happened fast. Um, and it, it's, it's fun getting to look back at those years um, just because there's a lot of excitement, a lot of, you know, what, what could happen in the future. Um, and, uh yeah, but I, I think I, I knew that I most likely was going to go to 
go to Stanford unless something just crazy happened. Unless like a team was like, yeah, we're going to draft you in the first round and pay you a bunch of money. And you know, we got just a great plan for you development wise. And like this, what, um, but for the most part, it's like, I still valued academics and just the college experience. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really thankful that I, I gotta, I gotta go to Stanford. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to mention that you kind of brought up is you went from hotbed, Texas to hotbed, California for baseball. That's like a dream. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, did they move you for more opportunity, but it's clearly driven from your father's profession. Um, I was going to say, you know, before you mentioned the Stanford thing, it was Texas in the running, but you kind of mentioned the recruiting thing. What I'm curious about is, you know, you said this in the last uh, mention that you had, which is the development. When you were drafted, I mean, that's still, you know, technically a high spot to get drafted for someone who, you know, may or may not sign given the commitment to college. What were you yeah. thinking that you needed? Because you keep saying late bloomer that you needed developmental, I guess, developmentally and that Stanford could give you or that you saw Stanford as, you know, this is where I want to go because I need that. Well, I mean, honestly, my decision for school was um, was like it was pretty simple to choose Stanford. Like if you've been in Palo Alto, like there's just something special about that area. You know, you, you almost feel the energy about like, you know, just with the university there, you know, there's, you know, future presidents and future, yeah. you know, senators. And then you have future like Fortune 500, 500 company CEOs and founders and, you know, like there's just uh, there's excitement you got people just you know i mean sometimes there's an idol of like busyness like people are just like go 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 um it'd probably be nice to slow down a little bit every now and then but uh but there's just something special in the the weather the architecture at stanford is is pretty unbelievable and then the academic reputation that they have um like you know if you have a degree from stanford like that that means something um and so uh i think really is like a lot of those reasons were why I, like I wasn't making that decision purely based on, Oh, where do I think that I can develop the most? Um, you know, and, and in some ways I, like I didn't see development as like a product of the coaches. It's like, I, I, I kind of grew up seeing development as a product of just like my hard work, you know? Yeah. Um, and so fortunately, like I had really good coaches, but you know, my pitching coach at Stanford, um, was not the pitching coach that recruited me. Like they, he was my freshman year was his first year as the pitching coach. Um, and so we didn't know each other from Adam, but we showed up on campus the same, you know, that same fall and we really hit it off and really kind of found our stride. And he was one of the biggest kind of influences in in my development and, and really what he taught me, you know, was more about pitching about how, how to, how to approach hitters, how to, how to get guys out, how to use my off-speed stuff and use my fastball. Um, and, and then, you know, a lot of it was just like, I continued to grow, continue to get stronger, um, through harder, you know, so you have a little bit more margin for error when, when you're throwing a couple of ticks harder than, than kind of what most guys see on a day-to-day basis. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I had incredible opportunity to, to develop at Stanford and, and I was given opportunity to pitch and, and to try to grow and become, you know, become a, a great college pitcher. So Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the word development is now overused in a sense. And I'm one of those yeah. people who overused it, so, so I'll take fully blame. But I think 
that's probably why it wasn't as you know pivotal in your decision because Stanford is a, a place that you can grow naturally and it's just going to happen. I think you kind of talked about this and this is a theme that I'm seeing is just going out and doing the work, almost like going out and playing and seeing what happens and yeah, like tempering the expectations so that you can kind of thrive and see what happens. Let it like come to you rather than just go get it. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, playing basketball, you being tall, your brother being taller and playing basketball and then how that probably helped you with baseball. But you weren't thinking like, I'm going to play basketball and then play baseball. And that's what's going to yeah. help. So one of the things I want to yeah. just throw towards that is how has your identity evolved? And, and we'll talk about, you know, your major league journal journey. But I think you yeah. having an identity as like, you know, this guy who was in Texas, then you went to California and you're going through the process at this point going to Stanford. Yeah, you know, in some ways, it's like I always felt a little bit like um, a little bit like an outcast. Not not I mean, I, 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 have, I have a lot of wonderful friends, but it's like I always wondered, like, where do I like fit in? You know, um, you know, faith wise, like we I grew up in a home that that really valued our, our faith. And so, you know, it's like when we were making decisions about you know, playing summer ball and travel ball and all that stuff. It's like our family unit was a priority for us, um, you know? And, and so it's like making sure that I still had opportunities, but we weren't going to sacrifice our family for, you know, so that Mark can just go and like live somewhere else and play baseball and, you know, try to have all the opportunities that he could have. It's like, no, we, we found ways that where I could get work in, I, I could do all this, but I could also still, you know, be home for dinner and um you know we could spend time on the weekend together um and so you know and, and then and then moving at you know in middle school middle school is just the worst years for everyone i yeah. I, I believe <laughs> and so you know i was like well i'm going into seventh grade and i don't know anyone not only that but i was going from a you know basically we were i was at a private baptist school in Houston, Texas. And then we, I'm in public school in California and I'm like immediate culture shock. I'm like, I don't, I don't even understand what's going on right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and so it was just like a lot of things to process as like a 12 year old kid, uh, you know? And, and so like for a lot of those reasons, like I always felt like I had wonderful friends, but um, I don't know if I always felt like I was like necessarily part of a group per se. It's like, other than my family, it's like, like our, my family has been completely ingrained in my identity, um, you know, faith and, and then baseball, like it's hard when you love something for that, not to become a piece of your identity, a piece of where you find your self-worth. And I think there's a healthy way in which that should sure. manifest itself in our lives. You know, it would be foolish for a dad to not have their child, be part of their self-worth in some way you're like 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 that's just kind of it comes with the nature of love you know and i think it's just like how you prioritize what you love um and and allowing those priorities to to define your self-worth and so um i love baseball and and there are times where baseball was 1000 percent the thing that i love the most um and that's that's a scary thing because baseball isn't forgiving and it doesn't love you back um you know and, and, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's been, you know, it's this whole identity thing has been a, a journey, you know, in and of itself. Um, 
as, as I know it is for almost everyone as they're figuring right. out who they are and what life is about and all this stuff. So, and that's the thing is it's an evolution, right? Like you even yeah. talk about like the father thing, right? Your identity is always changing. And if we, you know, put titles to it, it makes it even harder because now we're putting weight into those titles when those titles can come and go, you know, we can change those titles. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the world changes those titles in many ways. So when you moved from Texas to California, was baseball one of those ways that you maybe didn't feel as much like an outcast or you felt more bonded because yes, there's the, there's friendships and relationships that you have from when you move. But usually if you play a sport, it's kind of like a fresh slate. And it's like, we want to see what you got and your performance, your success on the diamond, I guess in this regard would dictate how you kind of blend in there. And it sounds like you had a lot of that success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like, I, I wouldn't say I always felt like an outcast. I just always felt like I was different, you know, um, like, Oh, I'm the Texas kid who's now in California or, or all that stuff. But, um, base, baseball and sports in general are wonderful because, yeah. um, there's a common bond of playing the game and especially team sports, uh, of trying to win a game together. Um, you know, I, I always talk about how much I love a baseball locker room, especially in a professional setting, because you have the most diverse group of people. If you were to just remove baseball and say, Hey, where were you from? you know, are your parents educated or not? Uh, you know, what, like socioeconomically, yeah. like where, 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 where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? What language did you like is your primary language? It's like, it's one of the most diverse places you could be. Uh, and you're like, none of these people would probably desire to necessarily get together and be friends and try to do something together uh, without a, a sport, you know, without yeah. baseball. And so it's like, I love that. I'm like, I, I learned so much from just being in a locker room. Um, and, and, and you, 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 you're able to form these friendships pretty quickly because of the sport. And so it's like a lot of my friends, when I first moved to California were from, from, you know, playing baseball, um, you know, and, and, you know, going to church and some of these other social things that, you know, our family would do, but, um, but yeah, sports are, are awesome in that way that you just get to create a bond quickly and, and sometimes like these guys become your best friends for a really, really long time. Yeah. And you have values in family you talk about faith, but baseball, especially on a team, it becomes your family. It might be your second family, yeah. maybe the third, but yeah, I mean, keep, a, keep us on this journey. So now you're at Stanford, you're, you're with that pitching coach, you're looking at your own self, right? When you're going through the mental, the physical stuff, you know, the academic and the athletic side. Um, and then you get, selected again i think your junior year because that's when you're yeah. Eligible. right yeah yeah that, my college you know freshman year i was kind of i was a reliever and had a couple spot starts and didn't do well um i went went out that summer and learned to change up and came back and i was kind of thrust into the friday night role because we had an injury last minute for our friday night guy and and so all of a sudden i'm i'm the guy um and I learned a lot that sophomore year. And I think that really set me up to have a good junior year. Um, so, I, you know, I played a team USA after my sophomore season, um, played on the Cape and then came back as like a top prospect my junior year and had a great junior year. Um, and then, yeah, I got drafted uh, eighth overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and then ultimately decided that summer to go back to school for my senior year, which was, uh, which is not a popular decision. Um, but yeah, it was the decision I made and 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't have any regrets about it. And that has nothing to do with, with Pittsburgh. It just happens, you know, to do with kind of where, where, where I was and, and kind of what I wanted to accomplish, you know, with my senior year at school and, um, knowing that, you know, pro ball would still be there afterwards and just trying to make a, you know, a, a clear, clear headed decision about, about my future and what was best for me. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great college experience. Um, you know, getting to play, play at Sanford for four years, get a degree. It's like, yeah, I, I always loved going back and walking around campus. Yeah. I mean, how, like you said before, like you're with, future CEOs, founders, presidents, baseball players even too. So (laughs) you're seeing guys get drafted and you kind of knew what was on the horizon. So talk to us about that senior year and then getting selected by the Houston Astros. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, in some ways, a lot of people said I was crazy because, you know, I'm turning down, you know, seven figures and I'm going back to school and, you know, it's like, who does that at, you know, 20 years old or whatever. Um, But you know, is decision I made, but it, in some ways it's like, Hey, I, I think I can have as good or better of a season. And, you know, even if I'm drafted in the same spot, it's like, I'm still happy with that. Um, and, and so, so yeah, I, you know, I, I really worked hard. And um, I mean, that year, like one of the big things that I needed to work on was pitching inside. And so that was a big focus and, and it, it worked, you know, um, it's like I pitched inside more It opened up the outside half of the plate, got more strikeouts, less walks, you know, just better numbers all across the board. Um, you know, and, and part of the reason I want to go back was to try to go to Omaha try to go to the college world series. And, uh, for, unfortunately we didn't, <laughs> we didn't make it that year either. So I never got to go, but, um, yeah, I had a great year and set myself up to be kind of one of the top couple picks and, um, yeah, I just remember remember that draft day, just getting to be with my family and friends, and um, yeah, and then getting the, the phone call um, from from Houston, just saying that they were going to pick me. It's like it was pretty overwhelming, especially because I grew up in Houston. I, I remember going to games at Minute Maid Park. You know, yeah, watching, you know, watching. I remember when Minute Maid Park opened. You know, I went to games at the Astrodome before <laughs> Minute Maid Park, and. Um, it was, it was pretty special. Just, just this whole idea of like, man, I, I made a bold decision going back to school. And then now I'm being drafted by my hometown team as the first overall pick. And like, just the future, the potential, the excitement was like really palpable in that moment. I was, I was just so excited to like start playing and, and to get going and try to, you know, try to help the Astros bring, bring a world series back, back home to Houston. So um, Yeah. So now you go to a team that was, in a sense, your hometown team, the one that you said you, you know, looked up to in a lot of, in a lot of ways that's where you probably saw yourself as a kid, you know, pre-California, right? And yeah. one of the things I'm curious about is what, what took place after Stanford? Because you go from a state-of-the-art, I don't want to say just college institution, but also probably nice training facilities and all that kind of stuff. And then you go to Houston where you have to, you know, as they always say, ride the bus and kind of, you know, slum it down yeah. a little bit. What like went into your mind of like, is that a culture shock? Is that something that you expected because you probably heard it from other people, whether it's past teammates or other players? What like went through your head during that time? Um, 
you know, you kind of you kind of know what to expect with minor league baseball, um, especially back then. You know, it's they've made some some progress sure. uh, since then. But, yeah, it was, it was long bus rides and motels and things like that. And you're just like, man, this is this is a little different. You know, it's a, it's a long season. You're playing every day, basically, um, you know food isn't great uh yeah it's it's just a different it's just a different environment just a different game altogether you know um and then you know i was dealing with uh starting to deal with some like injury stuff um that you know ultimately you know i I was trying to just fight through it um and and it was really kind of getting me all kind of domed up and, and just like I was struggling to throw strikes. My velo was dropping. I was just trying to work hard, work my way out of it. Cause that's kind of all I knew. And, and um, really what I needed was just to like take a pause and rest and recover and, and, and then come back to it. Um, you know, but I was, I was stubborn and I wanted to like please everyone and make everyone happy. And, and I wanted to show my worth and, you know, I felt like the Astros invested this money and this belief in me that I wanted to honor. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I guess hold up my end of the deal, right? Um, and yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard every time I went out. I, I struggled, and I, you know, I I didn't have a good game. It's like I, I really wore that. I really carried that around with me. Um, and I, w- I, looking back, it's like I wish I didn't, but you know, I know why you I did because it's like. You know, I, I cared about it. It's like I didn't, I didn't just like, you know, roll over and and. Uh, but um, yeah, it was it was it was a really tough season, especially coming out off a great season at Stanford. It's like that very first year. It's like, man, I'm I'm really down in the dumps, and and you know, almost metaphorically or ironically, you know, I'm playing in Lancaster, California, which is like in the middle of of uh, what's called the high desert. It's like if you go just straight north from LA like an hour and a half like you get over this mountain range and then it's like literally a, a desert you know the California desert and it's elevated a little bit uh the wind blows like crazy it's just like a kind of a desolate place you know um there's some industries there um and so there's there's some like really fine people there um but yeah it was like as far as the the climate and the the geography of it is like man this is this feels like a, a pretty solid picture of where I am on the inside right now. It's like, I, I, you know, I can't see, I can't, I can't see anything that's good um, for a while. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really, you know, that was probably the biggest, you know, the hardest thing that I was going through despite all the, you know, living conditions and the bus rides and all that other stuff, you know? Talk to us about your identity there, because you, you kind of gave us a precursor of your identity, right? Here, I want you to kind of factor in what you were saying is your value system, which is your family, your faith, you know, at this time, baseball. But this might be one of those times where you're putting 100% of your values into baseball because uh, of, you know, where you were drafted and what you wanted to do in terms yeah. of paying back um, the Astros. But just talk about your values and your identity there. Yeah, um, you know, they were still there, but it's hard because it's like, I love my family. Well, my family's not with me. You know, I can't just drive across the Bay and go spend time with them. Right. Um, you know, like I, I, faith is a big part. It's like, I was able to go to church on Sundays at Stanford, you know, um, it's like, we're playing Sundays. It's like, it's just, it's just not. 
And so it's like, you re- I really had to fight for a lot of those things that came a little bit more naturally during my time in, at Stanford. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was hard and it's, you know, it's easy to kind of, you know, kind of, I guess, ride the lead horse. If, for example, it's like, if you're just picturing a horse race, you're just like, Oh, I'm just going to be on the lead horse. So it's like, sometimes the lead horse is your family. It's like, everything's going great. So let me just keep investing in that. Um, sometimes it's baseball, sometimes it's, you know, your faith, some, whatever it is. Right. So you, you're like, let me just attach myself to what's going well. Um, and I think in that time, it's like, I knew that like God loved me. I knew my family loved me, but it was hard to experience those things and really feel it and believe it deep down because it's like, I wasn't present with them. Um, and then baseball wasn't going well. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, you, you start to have these, a lot of these questions like, man, what is this all for? Like, why is all this happening? What am I supposed to do about it? How am I supposed to get out of this? Like, this isn't fun. It's not comfortable. I don't want this. Um, but I also don't know how to change it. And mm-hmm. I think that's when like people start feeling hopeless and they're like, is this just my lot in life? Like, am I, am I destined to be in this, you know, state of misery for for the rest of my life, you know? And even though like we know logically it's like, yeah, like there's seasons that are really hard in life and seasons that are really good and both come and neither of them last forever. Um, you know, you can also like, like, you know, that logically it's like when you're in the middle of the hard seasons, like, it's hard to believe that you're actually going to be able to get out of it or at like some point it will change. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was kind of in that, in that mindset. I'm like, man, I like, I feel hopelessness starting to set in. It's like, you know, starting to experience depression for the first time. Um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of a, a darker season of my life. Um, but one that, you know, now I'm like actually really thankful for. Um, Cause I, I think I grew a lot. I learned a lot. Um, you know, I feel like I'm, a much different person than I was before. Um, but I also, I also really like the person that I am, you know, it's like, I, I think I'm actually like a genuinely kind person now. Um, it's like, I, <clears throat> I care about other people. Like I'm, I think God has grown a lot of empathy in me for the struggles of that other people are going through. And, um, you know, I, I think that's generally a good thing. And, you know, I used to think that like maybe, I can impact people by showing how, how to do things, you know, it's like, Oh, I can, if I can have a lot of success, then people want to have success. And therefore that's how I'm going to influence, you know, the people around me. It's like, actually my story is a little different. It's like, I'm feel like I'm able to influence people around me by the worst parts of my life and like the hardest things that I've gone through. And I, I think a lot of people would probably say the same thing. Like the longer you live and the harder things you go through, you're like, actually, this is, this has now somehow become part of my purpose in life to help other people. Um, Nobody know, which, is, which is a cool thing for those hard things. Like, no, know, it's a list of like, you know, being the top pick going, you know, accelerating through the minors and making your debut. That's what the people want to sign up for. And it, it's way before social media when everyone wants to blame them. A few things I want to mention. So you mentioned having injuries, having this kind of feel of, you know, this wind in a deserted area. And that's how you felt as a human. One of the things that I've realized in some research, which is when you go through something, whether it's, you know, a physical thing of you pitching, right. Or you doing a workout, everybody always wants to practice more, push harder, 
do all these things that we see and hear all the time in like this hustle culture. But research has, has said that if you take the time and you actually reflect on what you're doing, whether it's the success of you doing it, the practice of you doing it, those kind of things, it seems like that was what could have helped ground you. And those questions that you had, you know, what you're thinking, like, is this what I'm destined to do? Is this where I'm going? This is my path. You know, I don't want to say that is a signal of depression because I have no idea if it is, but that spiraling in terms of the marinating of what my thoughts are and you kind of, this is what I just did. If it was maybe coupled with religion or faith and it was more of a reflective practice, it could have helped you. But it's one of those things we look back and we say, you know, it, if I could have, I would have done this. Um, but the right. thing I'm hearing is it seems like all of this stuff helped you to get to where you are today. And just kind of moving yeah. forward with that, when you're looking at change, when you're hoping for change, when you want to see change, is that something that helped when you were with the Astros and then, you know, traded to the Phillies? How Kind of walk us through that whole process. Because it's not like you're saying, I want to change. Please trade me. You know, you're not a deeper yeah. receiver in the NFL. But um, I'm just yeah. curious in terms of what you wanted at that time and where you were going. I, I think I wanted to just I, I, like as you're saying that the gut answer that I have is like, I just wanted to feel like myself again, you know? Um, and when I look at that, I'm like, you know, I think that's an interesting answer. Um, just because it's like, how do you, how do I even define like, what is like my normal self? Like, right. like I want to feel like myself again. Well, like, why aren't you feeling that. like yourself? What's different? Um, what do you feel like when you feel like yourself? And, um, I think, I think part of it was the freedom that I got to experience, you know, in little league and in high school and college and just the joy of playing the game. It's like, I wanted to enjoy it just for enjoying it. And, um, you know, I was talking to a, uh, a college kid a couple of days ago, actually. And, um, I was just telling him, I was like, this is like the story arc for every single baseball player. And it's like you, you fall in love with the game because you love being outside. You love being with friends. You just love playing. You love the competition. You don't even care about the results. But all of a sudden, it's like for those that play longer and longer and longer, it's like the reason you're playing longer and longer is because you're actually pretty good and you get more opportunities. And it's fun to do good because we love comparing ourselves to others. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like we've now – taken this pure joy of just playing the game and we've somehow like intermingled it with the success of playing the game. And so at some point when you, you get injured, when you start struggling, when that success leaves, it's like the joy leaves as well. And, and there's a lot of guys that um, they've gotten to a point where it's like they have success, but they don't even have joy anymore too, you know? Um, and, and, and so it, it, it's a really interesting phenomenon. And I think the way out is to figure out how to enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it again. Um, and I think that's what I wanted, really. I think that's what I wanted to, to get back to. Um, and the big obstacle in the way for that was urgency. It's like, like we, we, we have this, this idea of like what our lives should look like at a certain age, et cetera. Yes. Um, you know, I want to be married and have kids by this age. I want to be making this much money. I want to, you know, you know, for baseball players, I want to be at this, this level or I want to be in the big leagues, you know, and, you know, age, especially in baseball is a big deal because it affects, 
you know, your service time, it affects your free agent years. It affects basically how much money you're able to make. Um, there's a lot of incentives to be the young guy who's, you know, shows a lot of potential. If you're a younger guy, you get more opportunities because you still have some developmental years from the, the team's perspective. And so it's like, you actually don't need to be the best guy on the team to still get opportunities because one, you're going to be cheaper. And, you know, there's, there's so many things around age and urgency. And so what I was feeling at the time was an overwhelming sense of urgency from the moment I was drafted. It's like, Hey, you know, like, I, I think if people said, Hey, Mark could be in the big leagues later this year, or even next year, you know, some people would be like, actually that seems reasonable. Like I, I, I get it. You know, you were throwing topping out at a hundred in college. You had a two ERA, you, you know, you struck out like 13 per nine or something like that. It's like, you had the numbers, you had the mm -hmm. stuff, you, you know, all of it was there. Um, and so there was just like this urgency that was in the background of my entire life for four or five years, you know? And, and then that urgency also, what it speaks to is the potential and then the failed, you know, the unmet expectations. Right. And so it's like, as, as it goes longer and longer and those expectations continue to be unmet and unmet, it's like the urgency increases and increases and increases until, until you get to a point where you're like, man, I'm hurt perpetually. I can't even play. I feel urgency that I need to be a big leaguer tomorrow. And like, this is just not a sustainable way to live. And the joy and, is gone. And that, oh, the joy, the joy was gone a long time ago, you know? And, um, and so it, it was, it was just a really, you know, I think really what I wanted was to figure out a way to get out from the sense of urgency and to figure out how to just enjoy the game and just to be one of the guys, just to, just to be a guy on the team who just loves playing baseball and just that no one cares about my performance. No one cares about, you know, how good I am because that's how I felt in college. It's like, I mean, yes, I get it. People cared about my performance because it was good, but it's like no one would have been upset if it wasn't good. You know, um, no one would have had opinions because I hadn't done anything, you know. And so it's like once you once you show that you can be really good and you have this potential, then everyone expects that from you. Right. Um, and that can be a really crippling thing, you know. Um, and and it's it's actually. I would say in so, for some cases I, I experienced it. It's actually tougher to be that guy who has all the potential in the world. Everyone says, Oh man, you're going to do wonderful things. You're going to work and you're going to make all this money and you're going to, you know, all of these things. Um, and to not let that get to you um, because at the end of the day, it's like those things shouldn't define who you are and how, how you de derive your worth, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I, I had to learn that the hard way, you know, and it, it was, yeah, it was, it was really hard. And by the end of 2017, you know, I'd been with the Phillies for two years, but I was injured for almost two years. I had, you know, eight to 12 starts, both in 16 and 17 with the Phillies in Lehigh Valley. And, and then I got hurt and I was out the rest of the year. Um, and by the end of that 2017 season, I was, I was done. I was like, I, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. So what went into that decision? Obviously we hear about the injuries, the ups and downs, all that stuff. But there is some part of you that said, I'm going to retire rather than I'm going to sit a year out. So what was that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was it was just the it was it was the the need and the want to be feel like myself again, 
you know, I think it was the same desire. Um, and those, even those two years in Philly, it's like when I, when I called, um, Matt Clintac, the GM at the time and told him that I wasn't coming back for spring training. I mean, I, I wasn't like, Matt, I'm not showing up. Like we talked about it. I was just like, Hey Matt, this is where I am. This is what I'm thinking. And this is kind of what I think I need to do. Um, he was like really gracious. And part of that was because I don't think anyone in the Phillies organization was blind. They didn't think, Oh yeah, Mark's just really happy and he loves being here and he's doing so great. And like, he's really thriving as a person right now. It's like, they, they're like, man, Mark's going through some stuff. He's struggling. It's like, and I think there was a little bit of compassion, you know, because it's like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to, you know, take down the mask a little bit. It's like, I was willing to let people in because it's like, I knew I needed people in my corner. Um, and so like when I made that phone call, um, you know, there's just so many things like even just being home for, for Christmas, that, that Christmas 2017, it's like, I, I love this so much. Like, I don't think I want to go back and play baseball because yeah. that's eight months away from family and away from home. And so there were just some like, you know, simple things. There's some logical things, but there are also some just emotional things that I'm like, you know, I don't know if it's worth it. I, I just don't think that it's worth it. And I, I need to, I need to let it go. I really need to let it go and just move on with my life and figure out who Mark is again, without baseball being any part of that way to find any self-worth. So talk to me about this. Talk to me about what happened right after that. I, if I'm correct, I think you went to Nashville for a little bit and worked with someone in terms of you either you know, finding kind of yourself who, who you wanted to be and just kind of more of a, like a holistic cleanse of let me get back to who Mark is. Yeah. Well, that, that's, um, so Nashville was, uh, I, I spent some time there because I was dating a girl, uh, from that was living in Nashville at the time. Um, but that wasn't until, you know, 2020, 2021. Um, honestly, it's like right after I, I finished up, um, or I, I left baseball. It's like, I was like, I'm, I'm done playing. Like I'm not, I stopped working out. I stopped caring about what I ate. I like, I was like, I'm just gonna, and maybe I w swung a little too far. Uh, cause I was like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Not like go crazy or anything, but it's like, if I want to drink a soda, I'm going to drink a soda. And yeah. cause it's like, I'm not thinking about the inflammation that that might yeah. cause and how that might affect my arm and whether I can, you know, pitch a baseball, you know, all this stuff. It's like, it's like, I had to, I had to allow myself to do that to like disconnect these connections in my brain of like everything that I do is centered around baseball. It's like, I needed everything that I, I did to not be centered around baseball to be centered around. I don't know what, but just like really for me, it's like being, being a healthy person, you know? Um, and so it's like, I, I, I went to, ch I got to go to church and be part of like a, a church community. Um, and, and a lot of my good friends in here in Houston are from that church. Um, just like really salt to the earth kind of people, um, you know, and, and I started working, um, trying to figure out, it's like, what do I want to do? It's like, I, and I kind of have a, bias for action. So I'm like, well, let me just go get a job, you know? And so I start working and then six months later, I'm like, I don't like this job. You know, it's like, I don't have anything with the, it's just like, I felt 
like I'm doing sales and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know if that's what I want to do right now. So let me, let me go do something else. Um, you know, kind of do entrepreneurial things, invest in businesses, make stupid money decisions. Like, let me just like do things without the fear of failing and do Which things again for baseball for you back. When yeah. You it's huge. Right. And, and do things without the fear of failing, do things without, um, you know, yeah, just with, just for the joy of doing it, even if it doesn't work out how, you know, I think it should. And, um, and that was, that was great. That was exactly what I needed at the time. Um, and, and during that time too, it's like, you know, I'm in Houston. Um, and this is actually a big part of my story and why I wanted to come back. Um, and my college roommate, uh, was Steven Piscotti and we're, we're still like best friends to this day. And, um, at that time in 2018, I don't know if, uh, I mean, I think people remember the story of he was traded from the Cardinals to the A's. His mom had ALS and he, he was, he got to spend her last, you know, months. They got, they got to spend it together when he was playing with Oakland. And that was the year, um, you know, that was in like 2017 and 2018, um, Gretchen, Steven's mom had passed away. And now 2018 is the year that I'm not playing. And so he's playing for Oakland. They come to Houston all the time because they're in the same division. So it's like some of my favorite moments were just getting to go to Minute Maid Park, wearing an A's hat and seeing Steven before and after the game and just, and not just talking about catching up on life, but like talking about real things. And um, the funny thing is, it's like when I was at Minute Maid Park, it's like this was the, the the stadium that I thought that I was going to be making my debut, right. helping this team win a World Series. Now think about this too. It's like this 2018, they had just won the World Series the year before, and there's before all the all the you know <laughs> all the cheating, the trash can stuff. Um, so it's like like hopes were like everything was great in the city of Houston at the time. And if I were to feel awkward about being around baseball in at any moment it's like that would be the moment that i would feel weird about being there but i i didn't feel weird i felt very comfortable i i i just felt a deep love for the game for the people for the players and by the end of 2018 i was like you know i think if i have an opportunity to play again i think i would really enjoy that not because i'm trying to be mark the first overall pick but because i'm i'm just mark and i actually enjoy playing baseball and that's why i want to do it um, and that, that removed a lot of pressure and a lot of weight of just trying to be someone or do something that was spectacular or wonderful or anything. It's like, I could just go and try to reapproach baseball from a joyful perspective instead of like this, like pressure and obligation to do all these things that everyone expects of me. Um, but I, I still needed to address my physical, uh, <laughs> you know, injuries and stuff. And so I had shoulder surgery. And then started the rehab process. Um, yeah, that took quite a while. So then you come back, right? You find you find the yeah. joy again. You find who you are. You come back with the Phillies, and you eventually make your MLB debut. Walk us through that. Those feelings. You finally got it. I know a lot of this, like you said, sounds like it's a story, but it sounds like it could be a Disney movie. And I, I'm sure you <laughs> talk about that at some point. Yeah, it's 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 crazy looking back at uh, you know just because. Uh, in 2021 it was my first year back and really my goal was like hey make it through the season healthy um you know 
and and I knew I still had two years left on my minor league deal. And so, you know, from the Phillies perspective, it's like, I, I imagine that they were just giving me some time and they're like, Hey, this is first year back. He hasn't played in over three and a half years. Like right. we'll, we'll, but 2022 that like, that's like, you know, you got to fish or cut bait. Um, and that like, that was the year. And so, 2021, I had like a six ERA. It's like no one's happy about a six ERA over the course of a season. Um, but I was because I was healthy. I, I didn't go on the injured list. I got to pitch again. I got to be in a locker room again. Like each of those moments, like I remember being in Reading and being in the locker and putting on my jersey and stepping out on the mound for the first time. I'm like, this is so cool. Like I never thought that this could happen, you know? And then they sent me back to, uh, to Lehigh Valley later that summer. And I'm like, this is, this is so great. Like, I, I mean, just, I, I felt so at home and so just happy to be there. Um, and then that off season of 2022 or 2021, um, I'm still like kind of figuring out. It's like, man, as much as I enjoyed this year, it's like, I also am like, it's still hard. I'm still away from my family. I'm there's still so many things that are like difficult about just being a professional baseball player. And, I knew I wanted to give myself two full years uh, in this comeback, but I'm like, I don't know. It's like as much fun as I had, it was also emotional and a little bit overwhelming at times. And, and honestly, I didn't play well. Like I, I didn't have anything that I didn't show anything that was like, Oh man, Mark could really help the team out next year. Um, but I, I, I wanted to come back that spring in 22 and just, have fun. I just wanted yeah. to get back to the roots of it. It's like I was moved moved to the bullpen that year, and I was like, you know what, this is probably going to be my last year playing baseball. And if it is, like, I just want to enjoy every single day. And that was my mindset. And that was that was basically as simple as it got. Um, and I knew that it's like chances are I'm probably going to have a mediocre year and then retire quietly at the end of the season. Um, that's not what happened. <laughs> like I I came out in you know in April and just kind of started pitching really well. And then May was like pitching better and we were working on things and I was executing my pitches. And, and then June, I was like, I basically went the whole month without giving up a run. And by the end of June, it's like, like Mark, you're, you're going to the big leagues for the first time. Like this, I was, I was overwhelmed. Like I was not expecting it. And I, I was at, I was at a point in my career. It's like, I don't even need it. Like this, just being back has been such a joy. Yeah. It's a know, cherry on even top. Though it really is. It really is. And then, and then everything that the Phillies did last year too. So special, um, you know, like I got, I got a national league championship ring and like, it's crazy, you know? So I, I feel really, really, really blessed. Plus let's, let's be real. Your statistics are pretty good, right? One, seven, four ERA, five strikeouts. You didn't win or lose. So you're pretty good. I'm pretty sure you got a save, right? At one point. Not, uh, no, so. not, a, not in the, not in the big leagues. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was I was the guy that it's like, hey, eight one ball game. All right, Mark, you you throw a couple of innings, try to get no, us out. They, of, you know, just finish the game. You saved all. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I, I don't well, remember when that was happening. Yeah, that was like it was cool to have the awareness of like, hey, I know what my role is, and I'm just I'm excited to do my role and want to do it really well. And it's like my my role is to be like the scrub guy it's like i'm the janitor of the bullpen let me just like clean up like save arms keep sir anthony healthy and make sure that like he's pitching in the high leverage situations you know it's like yeah, yeah i loved it 
All right, so I'm gonna fire a few questions. I, I would say they're, yeah. they should be quick answers, but I don't, they don't have to. What are you doing now? Yeah. Like, talk to us about what you're doing now, and then I'll throw some two other ones, and we'll do an advice one at the end. Yeah, uh, right now I'm just doing physical therapy on my elbow. I had surgery a few months ago. Um, it's been going a little bit slower than I would have liked. Um, so, and then I'm also trying to just think about what my future looks like. You know, um, I've had a really blessed career. Um, I don't think you would say that if you looked at the stat sheets, you know, over the, over, I would over the course career. of it, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel really lucky, um, especially with everything that happened last year. Um, and then I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with my family, with friends. Um, and then I, I've been, uh, trying to mentor a couple like high school and college kids, um, on Monday nights. And so that's just something that I recently started and it's been such a fun thing. Um, just, the hear these kids stories and figure out what they're trying to accomplish with their lives and try to give them some wisdom that I've learned over the years. So, um, yeah, it's been, a, like I said, a much slower pace of life. Um, haven't really, I, you know, I still follow baseball and I'm watching games when I can. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not traveling a lot. I'm just here in Houston enjoying a hot summer and being, being with my family. All right. So here are two rapid fire ones. You talk a lot yeah. about, joy and i guess in a nutshell we can call this whole thing mindset but i want to break them up um for this kind of rapid fire exercise of all the players you played for or played with i should say yeah school college i mean you can even go back to little league minors astros phillies whatever i know you played in the cape too who has the most joy when they play so when you think of joy in baseball who is it oh well i never played with them but i think this one's easy. It's got to be Brett Phillips. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I mean, we played together and we played together in, um, we were both in the Astros org. So like we had spring yeah. trainings together. Uh, I don't know if we overlapped on the same team, but um, yeah, I, I, I still talk to Brett every now and then. Like he's, Very he's useful. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. He's the best. And then let's take it a little further. Cause I think there is a difference between joy and mindset. Who has the best mindset of the guys you played with? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I would say someone on the Phillies, but I, I never, you know, it's like, I got to know some of these guys decently well, but not so deep that it's like, man, this guy's so locked in. Like I, I love how he approaches the game. Um, but just from watching, it's like, I think JT has a great mindset. Um, you know, Schwarber, um, is obviously he's, he's like a, he's like a glue guy in the locker room. And it's like, I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, you know, I love, I honestly, I love like Nola and Wheeler. Um, you know, they, they have, they just have a very like simple approach to the game and they just, they just kind of keep it simple. They don't try to overcomplicate things. They care, they work hard. Um, and I mean, they're really good. <laughs> and so like those guys are like pretty easy to, for me to say, uh, yeah. Yeah, never too up, never too down. All right, so here's my yeah. last one. It's kind of how we always end the podcast. If you could give one piece of advice to, you know, somebody who would be in your shoes that you walk through, like guy who gets drafted, whether he's in the first round or the 15th round, going through the minors, striving to make his debut and then makes his debut, what is that one piece of advice so that they can get the fullest out of their Major League Baseball career? I would just say, like, approach every day like it's it's your last like it's a gift like don't don't feel entitled to um that you 
you know, maybe, maybe you have earned things, but don't feel entitled, like just enjoy every day. Um, like you never know when it's going to be your last. So. All right, Mark, thank you for taking us behind the scenes. Yeah. My pleasure. (laughs) 